0: Good psychedelics will often indicate that peace and love and self-sufficiency and whole foods and natural living is the way to go. All
1: right, here we go. Hello and welcome to the Nerve Ascending Podcast. I'm Olaya. Today's guest is an honest-to-God poet who lives in the woods with no electricity. He is an internationally award-winning, post-beat poet, and his name is Will Staple. He's also our friend and neighbor, and we lured him out of the woods with the promise of our homemade vegetarian
0: lasagna. Gold, gold. You can pick up handfuls of gold, you know, as and it was the first time that gold did not belong to the king. And so my grandfather made caskets for Gandhi's law firm. They thought they were all alone. The poet was smiling, and uh, there was nothing obscene about it, but it was like the real spirit of. Parisian Youth Today's episode is brought
2: to you by my Uncle Mark, with the Friendly Reminder Council, and Heavenly Streams Chinese Medicine Center, and by our lovely listeners. If you'd like to become a lovely listener and supporter of the show, head on over to patreoncom sending and check out the offerings. We've got bumper stickers, greeting cards, t-shirts, you can get into the vault of unreleased music. We've got some amazing vegetarian recipes. You can even get a handmade electric guitar made by yours truly. Or pick up an ingrain cutting board and up your culinary game. So head on over to patreon.com slash nervous sending. This episode is also brought to you by Heavenly Streams Chinese Medicine Center. So you've done it. You've gotten yourself into a mess. Whoops. Maybe you're emotionally turbulent. Maybe it's you've got trouble sleeping. Maybe it's just overwhelming stress. Well, friends, there are solutions. And one of my jobs is solving problems throughout America. If you're done wasting time treading water in the vortex of your existence and are ready to start your alchemical journey to new levels, take the first step by heading over to heavenlystreams.com alchemybegins and sign up for a free consultation. Take charge of your health, amplify your potential, and redesign the patterns of your life. Full disclosure, Heavenly Streams is my site in my acupuncture practice, and I am proud to offer my eight week course, An Alchemical Journey to New Levels. And now, on with the show.
1: One of the things I wanted to ask you was, um, well, of course, I'm probably going to bring up Allen Ginsberg and and, mm-hmm. and uh, your friend Gary Snyder, because those guys have been out here for uh, quite a long time.
0: Yes. And I've known, you know, Gary for 40 years.
1: Yeah. Now, you, so you've moved, you were lived in this area for how long?
0: Known Gary for 50 years.
1: Wow. But you've, Actually, you moved here to Nevada um, City to the yes. Back in the like quite was
0: a, it? Uh, gosh, okay. when was it?
1: See, I wanted to ask you that. Oh yes, ninety two. So, so ninety two. You see, so you moved out here in ninety two.
0: Seventy
1: two. Seventy two. That sounds more like it. So, because you said Allen Ginsberg and and Peter Olaf, Peter his boyfriend, and those guys helped you build your house.
0: Yes, um, mainly. Um, are we rolling, Bob? I yeah, we're rolling, Bob. Okay. Um, <laughs> actually, I and Peter Olaski and Denise, his uh, lover, uh, and Alan and my wife Joanne. We built his house. Oh, and Jonathan Keen. Um, it was just down from Gary's uh, house, across the meadow, and um, it's still there. Uh, Gen Snyder lives there, and it's called Bedrock Mortar because there's an Indian bedrock with mortar holes in it.
2: Oh, cool! Oh, we saw that. No, or oh, you told us where was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like in that divot. To yes. the left in the middle? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Okay.
1: Have we started the podcast, like, recording? I,
2: what I want to do is I want to check um, to see that things are Oh, recorded. great. Now we can... Uh, but yeah. it's great to talk about yeah. these things. Yeah. So, uh, so I want to make sure that prepped. the recording is actually happening. A little prep get
0: and too get too the voice down, yeah. Yeah. right? And,
1: and obviously, yeah. if you if you burp or hiccup, we can take that stuff out. Or if you're, like, or suddenly... Or you can leave it you know, in. Or you can leave it in. Or if you, if you like, suddenly... So I yeah. forgot
0: that I came in here in 72, I guess.
1: Well, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you were here, uh, you said when Lou Welsh, I mean, Lou Welsh was, um, so he, he came over to your house before he walked out into the woods and he walked, he was gone and well, gosh, I should look that up. But he, he left, Uh uh-huh. hang, on, hang on. I'll look. But he, it was the seventies. It was before I was born that that Lou Welsh. Oh my. Uh-huh. Walked out. So into-
0: Let's see, 63 Berkeley till 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Okay, I guess I came, I guess it was 70 I came. No, probably 71. I guess I thought it was 72, but... Seventy one's good with me.
2: I think that I think that's like one of those. If you remember the sixties, you weren't there. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's yeah. proof you were there, man. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. So that was wow. So seventy, that, what was out here? This was like
0: far less, and far there were. Less. I'll tell you what was here. There were old timers. Yeah, uh, like, and we really uh, got a lot out of them, and there were a lot of used uh, tool shops. Mm-hmm. Um, and bookshops, huh? And cheap old books, and also rusty but very usable draw knives and hoes and uh, chisels, all kinds of stuff. Like gold mining guys, right? This kind. Yes, of- they had uh, done their time in gold mining and also made um, the the flumes. Oh, and built houses. You know, not quite a, with a roof as high as this, but. They did a lot of work because if it was going to get done up here it had to be locally done for sure they weren't getting any outside help and they were very self-reliant and their stuff was quite elegant cool but even backhoe operators had a certain sheen of glory because they could make a road oh i think
2: they still do (laughs) yeah or maybe that's just around here, but yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of respect for that.
0: Yeah. But this is good because um, I haven't related this message
1: mm-hmm. for
0: decades, but it'll help me remember where I came from and why I'm here. Yeah. That's great because um, from being a carpenter, I somehow got to be the first mental health worker of Nevada County.
1: Really? Cool. For
0: a year or so, and then, um, mm-hmm. and then I taught carpentry at uh, Lassen College. Nice. A couple of different years, and then I came back to build Allen Ginsberg's house and my own house. Mm-hmm. And um, then I was a carpenter around here, and uh, my first book was well received. And then I got into poetry in the schools. Oh, cool. For decades. The other poets had tried their hands at it, but they were a little bit pompous and a little bit uh, highfalutin. And I have a good rapport with kids, not being a father for one, because I never lost my immaturity. I thought that was a good secret, yeah. Yeah, and so they didn't feel like a judging adult. Like I was a kid a, just a slightly older kid. Yeah, one of them who who one of us who liked to do fun things and this was a fun thing they could do with uh words. Right.
2: What yeah, what 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 uh, grades and what ages were you working with?
0: Um kindergarten through 8th. Oh, okay. Nice. Now I've uh, like I'm, I've settled down to fourth grades. Fourth grades. I like them. The nine-year-olds. Oh, they have at that pivotal age, and they're starting to. The turn hormones on haven't they, hit. That's, that's their brain sweet. capacity to their body is as large as it's ever going to be. Uh, <laughs> they've been told a lot of stuff, and it's all not making sense now because they can see with their own eyes. Oh, uh, that's the time, isn't it? Oh, it is. <laughs> so, gosh, I just. Talked more about myself than I have in years. And now I I can sort of, oh yeah, that's Will Staple. Mm -hmm. That's great. This is what we want to know. Yeah. This is what we're doing this for. I'm sort of curious about him too. We'll see who he turns out to be. (laughs) No, um, I understand. It's nice to have some kind of um, perspective on who you're talking with. Gary did not like being called a beat poet. And he was so relieved becoming an um, pulse. sister Pulitzer Pulitzer prize award winner right because then he wasn't typecast as a beat and some people thrived on being a beat and thought it was so great Rexroth was not happy with the title and would never be associated with that title
1: wasn't he considered the father of the beats more than a
0: yes but he was an established uh an acro uh taoist poet who could write in all forms and
1: Oh, he's great. Yeah, I have this mm-hmm. work.
0: a macro Taoist. <laughs> that sounds like the jam. <laughs> yeah. Is there a jam? Well, you know, it's not like an anarchist th- throwing bombs, but it's an anarchist that doesn't really think any help is going to come from any other quarter, so one has to be self-sufficient and do it for themselves and um, be a model of how you should be in the world if everybody was like your good nature, then the world would be a better place.
2: Yeah. Hard to denigrate that with. A yeah.
1: So, um, but yeah, there were obviously some beat poets such as Allen Ginsberg who got off on that. Uh, I mean, he sort of,
0: he made it.
1: He, yeah, he invented the whole beat thing, didn't he? Was he it done?
0: He did. So he could sleep with interesting people.
1: <laughs> well, it worked apparently.
0: Yeah. Um, and that that was the thing? Well, uh, and he did it a lot with his photog- his photography. Huh. Yeah. So that he recorded uh, all these great events and Tangiers and th- these gatherings. And he did a great job.
1: Yeah. He seemed like a neat guy. Just like interesting, funny, kind of quirky person.
0: With a great loving heart. Yeah. And um, just the widest kind of internet uh, wide international contacts everywhere.
1: Right. And he was quite intelligent too, and very you know, well-read and uh, could have... He was. He, he wasn't only a weird hippie who walked around naked, although he did do that. Um, yes, he was. And didn't he help you build your house in the nude? Well, I mean, not necessarily, but I know that...
0: Well, uh, there, <laughs> there were rumors. <laughs> oh, well, um, uh, Peter Oloski sometimes would just wear his uh, leather... Uh, belt right you know where you hang off your um your hammers and your tools yes that's right because yeah. it was it's it was warm right um and the women used to go topless because it was warm
1: and that's what uh, my understanding mm. i was led to believe that well uh as michael atee was here and said that uh everyone he said nobody ever wore any clothes back then i mean in the 60s that people went around naked a lot more
0: well, Gary and Massa used to have uh, leather loincloths. Oh, wow. And um, sometimes when it's hot, it's sort of okay to, especially after a sauna, you know. But I got a um, meat bee me bite in an embarrassing place. And from now on, I wear a pair of shorts every all the time.
1: That makes sense. Um, now, was, was the mother truckers down here? like way back then did you have any kind of it, it was things looked a little different right
0: but. yes in the early 70s um it was more of a like a food co-op oh, okay. where you could order half a round of cheese mm-hmm. or 20 pounds of rice okay. and by buying in bulk we could uh we could all get good food at a good price nice more like a Informal Commune. Nice. Yeah, so we should set the stage a little bit. We're
2: talking about a place called North San Juan. It's about, what, 30, 20 20 miles out from Nevada City?
1: Well, we're still considered in Nevada City. I mean, our address is in Nevada City, but yeah. yeah. Because
0: because Nevada City used to be the third largest uh, town after San Francisco and L.A. and California. Wow. And it did come out this far, and there were houses everywhere uh and the it was pretty much deforested because it was mining and it would it drifted away from the uh hot spots of bars and gambling dens in nevada city or grass valley and um north columbia had a schoolhouse, a small community that was larger than it was now and uh, it was quite the lively place, well, cool. mhm, and so there was a
2: big exodus. It seems like there were all this activity in the city of San Francisco, and then from there, it feels like a lot went to the woods, to the mountains and to the, the- gold
0: gold. You can pick up handfuls of gold, <sighs> you know it was and it was the first time that gold did not belong to the king right in past countries and um you know, ancient regimes, the gold belonged to the king. People, servants, slaves toiled for the king to get the gold and the king or the royal or imperial institution would make uh, beautiful artifacts and uh, trinkets for their the, the queens and princesses. But this was free gold for anybody who could pick it off the ground or find it in the river, right. the first time ever. And it came in a sort of a depressed area, time, era, and um, people came from all over the world. It wasn't just Americans. Uh,
1: well, we were also thinking, I think, about um, the exodus during the, the 60s from San Francisco now.
0: Yes. Like, the there re- were a lot of
1: people who came out
0: Yes, there. the rehabitation
1: right? Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of, like, like living off the land, kind of, you know, there was this kind of, a lot of hippies wanted to leave the city and, and you know, kind of make it on their own out in the wilderness, that idea, right? There were communes and...
0: Good you know. psychedelics will <laughs> often indicate that peace and love and self-sufficiency and whole foods and... Natural living is the way to go. Well, it's a, considering a lot the of opposite, there. Huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the revelation. Huh. Yes, and also, um, that whole movement and seemed like a sort of a festival, but um, the police were concerned that some laws might be be broken since uh, they yeah. weren't getting the kind of respect authoritarians demand. They weren't always being polite to people that saw the world in, in different eyes. And it was a good time to get out of town. Hmm. So it was a place to get free and to Yes, those and to things. live out right. your vision. That's right. You, you just don't have trips and make up your mind what would be cool. You've got to go out there and try it and even fail to some degree, but you've got to, live it out or it's just a head trip
2: so that sounds like an interesting an interesting thing to know about so you were in the city at some point
0: well i went to um berkeley Mm -hmm. oh you went to the the school the university University of well the people's democratic republic of berkeley
2: oh in the 60s
0: yes there was a big there was a big uh was it the 60s yeah 63 to 65 or six, I hadn't started um, real deep meditation, or I could have gotten done better in foreign languages. But um, I spent my junior year in um, Chico State, which was a great place. I did... um, Oh, Modern Dance. Oh, there it is. Excuse me, I'm going to check the, the lasagna. lasagna. Okay, shall we turn it off? I mean, what about the the podcast? Shall we turn it off or just let it run?
2: Uh, she's going to check the the temp and see if it's done. Okay, great. Um, oh, it looks like it's probably done. We'll let it cool off. And, All right. Yeah, we'll see where we're at.
0: But yes, I had a good time, and that's where I met Gary. And that's where I met Alan. And um, my grandfather was a master carpenter in Colusa, California. He came over in 1909. And uh, he had a connection up here, uh, the, the Catholic uh, priest up here that was hung out at the Coughlin's, uh, my grandfather, and he spent the prohibition in the bottom of the Catholic church in Calusa, drinking <laughs> good red wine. And he said, my grandfather uh, uh, could be pretty stubborn when he, uh, with his ideas that were mostly right. But of course, the minister said, I never contradicted him. So, but it was nice. Your grandfather sounds like a cool guy. He was. Yeah. He was good. Um, he um, knew Gandhi what? in South Africa. And in these days, when a uh, legal firm lost a case, uh, the losing uh, law outfit had to furnish the deceased with a uh, casket. And so my grandfather made caskets for Gandhi's law firm. Whoa. Mm Mm-hmm. They didn't get into a lot of philosophical thought or, you know, anything like that. But they worked together and nodded to each other and knew each other's uh, who they were in the town of South Africa, which is pretty tough for the people that didn't have white skin. So your grandfather came from South Africa? Well, he um, he originally from Holland, but in South Africa in one of the wars, I guess it was the Boer War. Um, the colored, uh, uh, driver of the wagon he was si- sitting in some kind of supplies building uh, railroad, uh, houses next to the track stations, uh, flipped his, carelessly flipped back his, um, whip and hurt my grandfather's eye. So my grandfather went to Holland, back to Holland to try to have his retina reattached or something. And as he was sitting in the waiting room of the eye doctor, he read about the 1909 earthquake in California. And he was a stair maker, which is a very, besides doing you know, general uh, contractor, he would make stairs on the ground, you know, that, in, that go up in whirls and stuff for those steep Holland uh, dwellings four-story dwellings and he would cut them you lay them out and cut them out and then the uh, apprentices would assemble them and they were all perfect within a 16th sixteenth, sixteenth of an inch that's pretty good so he thought okay the earthquakes here all the houses of san francisco and oakland and the bay Area are lying on the ground he didn't even wait to get his eye fixed he packed his tools got on a boat and came right into san francisco and started working that's amazing Yep. and there there's this big claremont hotel it's the it was at one time maybe still is the largest wooden structure in the world and it has she you know it's for the modern you know for california it's which doesn't focus on towers and uh sprung arches and stuff it was really, it sort of fantasy uh not really disneyland fantasy but it's quite a structure and he did a lot of that complicated stuff it's the kind of place you'd have as i did your senior prom there super cool the claremont hotel yeah we'll have to look at that we'll get that yes yeah, yeah, between berkeley, berkeley and oakland nice i was um the last deed i did there i was infiltrating the john birch society the, i was in, you went the other way Well, I was head of the California Young Democrats and I knew how to put on a suit. And so I went in to find out what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. And outside there was a bunch of protesters and they couldn't put the two of us together. I had no beard or long Uh hair. Uh I was just uh, trying to figure out where they were coming from. And I don't remember that they were. Compared to what's happened recently in the Republican and Conservative Party, they were quite mild. Uh, but I do remember that I gave Mario uh, Savio a ride back to Berkeley because uh, he was hitchhiking. And,
2: I don't know this name.
0: Oh, he's a guy in the free speech movement. So here's a guy with uh, a suit picking up a so-called radical, Mario Savio.
1: Wasn't he the one that gave this famous speech outside of the UC Berkeley that was... On top the of the
0: police car, yeah. Yeah. And so he said, hey, thanks for the ride, man. I said, hey, I was just in there spying for the young Democrats to find out what they <laughs> are worth. I mean, don't be put off with the suit. So Nice. Nice guy. So what'd you learn about the John Burgess? Oh, they were... Um, Mild and boring, <laughs> you know. Upset with what? Long hair? Is it? You know, they. It was the banality of evil. The ben. Well, it, um, we just wanted to know where they, what what was happening, uh, where they were coming from, right? What you're up against? Yeah, yeah. And they were no foes, you know. They just. Said impolite things to people that were living a more f- full life and less um, traditional. Or
2: it seems to be the thing, right? To date, that theme repeats. I think.
0: Yeah, uh, the young people make uh, the older people uncomfortable because they have new ideas. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we're not making you uncomfortable. No, not at all.
1: We, I guess, we don't have enough new ideas.
0: Maybe. Well, there's <laughs> a big, uh, there's a larger spectrum of ideas now. Well, I yeah. think there were some good ideas in the past that need some, you know, yes. revisiting. I know. Yes. Uh, which brings me, uh, we're going to skip over the poetry in the schools and, uh, you know, a long and glorious history of poetry. What What I'm doing now is I'm trying to preserve the poet's that will be easily forgotten. And a Cento, C-E-N-T-O, is when you write a poem using another person's exact words. And of course you rearrange them a bit. Oh. Um, There's also Cut Up, which Burroughs and others, uh, where you cut something up uh, and you make something new accidentally because you you just arbitrarily fix things together
1: like a collage like a collage words.
0: very good cool. and so um i was i liked jim harrison's last book very poignant because he's gone and he wrote, talked about that we love the earth but we cannot stay and so i um, picked some of the lines I really liked in his last book and put them together in a way that I liked. And, uh, this was a poem that started a lot of stuff, uh, just this year. And I had done that for Albert Sijo earlier and, um, other poets. And now I'm, you know, probably do it for Steve Sandfield and, um, Dale Pendel and I have been gathering little uh, phrases that I like with Gary. I, you know, I don't have to wait till they're gone. But uh, some people, Gary, for example, said, I think I've said everything I have to say. Well, I never really had that much to say uniquely Uh I did spend a lot of time on the Indian reservation and there were some mountain climbings there. And so I would talk about those kind of things, but I have no, absolutely no dogma or uh, unique slant. And I'm really happy to write about other people, at least they be forgotten and maybe start other people thinking, well, who is this Jim Harrison or who is this Albert Sijo? And just with their, you know, handheld device, they could, wow, this guy did this, and he did Davia. And, uh, you know, because it's all, the references are there, but if you don't have some way to, some interest to put it in the handheld device, um, even Lawrence Forangeti could soon be gone in the general appreciation and memory. Oh, right. You see, right, yeah. A lot of people don't know who, like, we know who Gary Snyder is. We're familiar with him. And I want to tell you, back in the 70s, he was towering. His impact was towering, even over Ginsburg and Ram Dass and um, Leary, you see, because he was a working man and he was practical. And this um, his the place we all worked on together for a hundred dollars a month and a shot of tequila. um, This was not done. So, you know, building his kind of house that you, you've gazed at as we have walked in the past uh, months to our, you know, our not any kind of worship, but it is sort of a journey to the top of Bald Bald Mountain. Mountain. And it's, you know, it's the, Indi- the Indians went up there, too, and so do we. Um, but he also is unknown. There used to be half the people here knew Gary Snyder was on the ridge. Well, 90% now, they don't remember. Well, of course, they weren't born here. Or they, you know, they're younger than us. And they're in a different age. And poetry. Oh, yeah, hip hop. You know, are um, they have their own people that they admire, and the past seems insignificant to them. But it might be interesting at some time, and that's why I'm. I've got a lot to write about. Just what I appreciate, which is based on what the larger group, which you are included, and also the folks that have just passed on like Steve and Dale. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not holding the previous culture rigid, but it's just giving a little hint, a little uh, intimation of where we were and what might be interesting to somebody else who's looking for a new way. It might have already been done Mm -hmm. and they might uh, save some time. A feeling like it's ex- an exploration of roots. Yes. And it's their roots too, but they're just not aware of them because they've been born more recently. Well that's what I mean. I
2: feel like yeah. I feel like I'm I'm sitting here wondering what's the place of poetry in society. And you mentioned hip hop. Um does poetry. I'm I'm like I don't know poetry. Well yet.
1: you were a songwriter, which is a kind of
2: It certainly a, is. You know But I mean, poetry. There's what's what is poetry? What's the place? What is there a place these
0: days? I mean, how does it work as a poet? Well, you're born a poet.
1: You're born a poet.
0: You're born a poet, and you should. If you're lucky, you get some positive response between seven or nine, maybe as late as twelve. Did you
1: start writing poetry that young? No, yeah. So you were starting to write poetry in you the fourth were seven? grade. Wow! So w- when did you write your first poem? How old were you?
0: Well, the you know, um, I mean, I know a brilliant seven-year-old, and there's a a woman here, in Memphis. She's pretty bright at seven, but nine years old. What is that? Fourth grade. Um,
1: Something like that. I'm just, uh,
0: in ancient times, there was an early pioneer named Davy Crockett, and he was a real person, but he was also a legend. And he had it. they used to have TVs in these days and the people would, not singly, but in groups watch them. And on these TVs, sometimes they'd have corny songs. This one was, Davy, Davy Crockett, Crockett, King of, of the Wild, wild frontier. frontier. Well, once upon a time, Lily and George Staple had a daughter And this daughter was all alone and got all the attention of Lillian and George Staple. And she enjoyed all that attention. She was in bliss. And when she was, but three years, a cool, cool thing happened to her. Bill Staple was born. (laughs) Who's that? (laughs) Bill. And, well, both the grandfathers were Bill or William. And um, so she didn't wasn't quite right with Bill or Will as we call him now. And so she would tease, uh, I wasn't as slim as some. Billy, Billy Staple, King of the fat people.
1: <laughs> oh man. Oh. That's awful.
0: Well, I went with that hook and I'm I I'm gonna write. A- and I wrote a whole page. retort and rhyming. And song and lyric and um, it was quite. I mean, I remember that Billy Staple, you know, was was shot out of a cannon, you know, because he was round, you know, (laughs) and all these other uh, invented deeds, bragging, a legend, a legend, you know, well, we'll and. The fourth graders at in Oakland, right next to Mills College, Sherman School, they were, wow. Wow, I want to copy this. I want to, you know. And he let people copy, and eventually he lost his uh, only copy, which was on somebody's wall.
1: Oh, this is your poem?
0: Yeah. And so. Um, your first poem. The first poem. And so.
1: It uh, sounds epic.
0: It was epic, and I got a lot of reward from it. Nice. Nice. And so I got interested in poetry.
1: So your sister unintentionally kind of uh kick started your career as a poet.
0: This is my mother when my um when I was you know, I did well enough in high school and she had a little talk with me, you know, as in the back, yard. you know, Will um you're not as smart as your friends. Uh they're you're very, you know, they're just, you're going to have to decide on a, a state college. Well, I got into Berkeley and I became a, got into honors, American Studies honor, you know. Uh, Gary, uh, about halfway through the building in the house says, well, you know, we're good friends, Will, but I don't think you've uh, reached your, creative pace, you know, you're, and, and just, you know, a couple of days later, uh, I, it was my turn to give a reading. uh, And I gave a brilliant poetry reading of the poems that eventually became um, Passes for Human, but also he was so impressed. He, uh, uh, Cleo Escherman, Caterpillar was a big magazine way, way back, you know, before you were born. Um, and it even made it to like drugstore, you know, uh, pocketbook stuff. It was big. And he wanted to know who's the new writing and said, well, Will, Will Stable's about the best I know. Wow. And so instantly I had a career, <laughs>
2: huh.
0: a national career, and other poets were talking about me. Huh. And, um, you know, names you would recognize and probably the people uh, that's listening to the might not, but um, it's established instantly my career. And like when I would read from these Caterpillar things, wow, he's reading his own poem from Caterpillar <laughs> with all these other guys in it. Um, so... All someone has to do, oh yeah. And my first girlfriend, she said, You and Lowell, you call yourself poets. You're never going to make any, you're never going to amount to anything or be poets. Well, guess what? (laughs) I'm an international award winning poet. You know, it's not that I'm better than other poets. I quite, I, no such thing. But there are so many good poets in California. What am I going to do here? There's so many brilliant people. Many have died and a few are still alive and going on. But I shine much better somewhere else. And I bring the fragrance of flowers from afar. And all these uh, people, I never was a beat, but I had to be good enough to have a place at the table with the beats so that I wasn't like a hanger on, but a fellow poet, you know. Sure. Yeah. Not better not that much worse. Yeah. Just, Oh, staple. Yeah. He's okay. Yeah. You know, in the game. Yeah. In the game. That's it. I just want a place at the table. (laughs) Um, and the other thing with poets, the beats, for example, but others, they are easy to get to know. They are not in the business of pushing people away. If you come on like you really want to know them because they are who you think they are, (coughs) that can always be off-putting. But I found it was easy to uh, get access to uh, not only they, but other people of eminence. Because they're just like us, slightly lonely.
1: Seems like all the poets I've met are pretty open people. Yes. They don't, they're... You know, they but, like to yes, well. They generally like to, to talk box, too, because though, I think poets do like to talk because they like to share their their poems and they like to tell stories. I I don't know.
0: And brilliant people are in the same position, or accomplished people, let's say, as attractive women. Everyone assumes they're unapproachable, mm-hmm. and they get nervous around them. These Women just had maybe the misfortune of being so attractive, they seem unapproachable. And this is the same way with poets and other people. You know, oh, he's so great. I can't, you know, I would be afraid to do that. I've done this too, you see. And like I went to this uh, conference, the last beat conference uh, out in Naropa and um, uh, Larry Froinghetti says, "Hey, Will, I was there. Why didn't you come up and talk to me?" Well, I knew Larry Froinghetti uh, from and uh, Gary uh, from building uh, Allen Ginsberg's house, and um, I had even a- I felt free enough uh, to ask him to stay at his place in Big Sur. But in this sort, this situation of this last beat gathering at Naropa, I was shy. I did not approach him because what was it? Some kind of reverence or feeling that he was great and I wasn't quite as great. And I did him a disservice and myself. Mm. So if you like somebody, you can just say, hey, how's it going? I like your work. That's enough, you know. So is it lasagna time? Shall we have a little yeah, break? Let's,
2: let's take a break. We'll take a little break lasagna. and we'll come
1: back after good. we eat.
0: We'll our, be right
2: back.
1: Our vegetarian, dairy-free lasagna.
2: The following message is brought to you by The Friendly Reminder Council. This is a friendly reminder From the Friendly Reminder Council Be sure to drink enough water Be sure to drink enough water The preceding message was brought to you by Friendly reminder, Council.
0: Are we rolling, Bob? We're rolling, Bob. Oh, okay. Well, uh, you might have heard or not heard that um, my hosts here have chosen two poems each. And all the poems in this hundred and eight uh, selection are good, and so I really don't care to choose. I don't have a favorite of any of my children.
1: And this book is called "This is Your Book," one of your books.
0: This book is "Arrows Go Through Hearts," and it's a. a it was done by um, Six Wells Press, and it's on Amazon. Oh, cool! And I haven't got any money from Amazon. Oh, it goes to Six Swells Press, but on Kindle, I bring in the bucks, oh, and it's four ninety nine. So we should send a link to Kindle. Well, um, but the first one is uh, these poems are from uh, one hundred eight poems selected nineteen seventy to nineteen ninety five. This is the one exception, which is one of the four poems I did not choose that but were chosen. Dream, 69, Riverside. First time I saw the old man so clearly. Here, in this room, didn't seem at first like a dream that I had awoke. In ancient filthy rags, sitting in the corner on the floor, where your cone basket is. When he got up, bugs and ants scattered. He was past expression of all the petty feelings with the self-assurance of a dog who doesn't mind starving. Silent, dispassionate, absently, I saw him Wander your front yard. And your second pick was crying into your pillow or only one more heartbreak left.
1: Oh that was that was my second
0: Yes pick. it was.
1: Yeah. Appropriate for and me. And
0: I have the I have a supai sweatshirt on, the map of the canyon, have a supai. Canyon, Indian tribe that lives in the bottom uh, part of the Western Grand Canyon. Nice. Crying into your pillow are only one more heartbreak left. She saw me on the trail as the young Indians on horseback recognized me, sitting in the shade before the switchbacks. She had a dobe bitch on a leash and was staring at me. When I looked up, our eyes held. Before I knew it, she was sitting down, talking to me, the coyote, 30 years on this same trail out. Everything I do is always watched. No wonder I search the distant places where water is measured in cups. She left with her address, in my hand, I knew not how, even Coyote is vulnerable to entrancement, susceptible to her spell, watching me all the time, not only my enemies, my friends quickly are concerned, coming up, out, into the open, two of my oldest, most trusted, men I have known for decades. You better not like her, Coyote. They can always read my mind. She's not for you. Her body was whispering, I said, picking up the scent, playing my part. You need a woman, older and uglier, Coyote. The young ones mostly leave You crying in your pillow. We're your friends. Your heart's been broken too much. You got only one more heartbreak left. And this was Justin, one of Justin's randomly selected page 65. Poem of a California sea pits, poet working. I like the sound of silent, intent, concentration, perpetuated. I like the sound of silent, intent, concentration, punctuated by rapid pencil strokes in white hot inspiration a class full of them so the tapping of thoughts sounds like hard rain printing wetness on a distant window. It's a wonderful moment when I've sort of given the examples and they've writing their own poem. And here is one also from the Grand Canyon that Justin picked. Page 110. Ancient mastery. In a 10 room prefab Indians home flown from eight miles away down from South Canyon rim. I wake to moonlight from a sleep after a hauled in by mule and bought at the store meal. Only the tortillas and sharing was native to this land the government has tried so hard to tame through debt, credit, dependency, and police. Outside, frightened dogs bark back at long coyote howls, echoing, echoes, magnifying what was and is terror, ecstatic, or wild. This thin veneer of white colonial genocide park service carrying guns is doomed by an older understanding that could cope with the wilderness inside. Ancient mastery in thee I trust, given the ancient mastery to trust. Another number? Can you give
1: me?
0: <coughs> Do you have a number?
2: 70.
0: 78. 78. Oh, that's a good one.
1: Here I was born.
0: 78, skunky. Right on. <laughs> yes. Skunk. Post-divorce comrade in my ca- castle. Actually, it was a castle before my divorce. Then it became a shack. It's all in the perception.
2: Oh.
0: But it was an actual skunk. So sweet. Oh. Let me tell you one story about the, uh, another skunk. <laughs> Um, sometimes in the summer, I read on the porch at my table and have kerosene lamp or a candle or or something. I looked up, there was a skunk eating the cat food and around the skunk were three raccoons patiently waiting their turn and around the raccoons were my four cats at that time. So there was a definitely pecking order, but nobody was getting in the way of the skunk. No, 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 number no. one. <laughs> and I wanted to. I caught the skunk, in a have a heart trap, and I took it to the veterinarian, and I wanted to to have its uh, smelling uh, apparatus removed. And the vet veter- veter- veterinarian veterinarian, a uh, very nice, slim, bright eyed divorced woman said, I'm sorry, Will. Um the skunks can't be pets because they carry rabies. They don't suffer from the rabies, but they can pass it along. Because I had dreams of going into um oh some of the old time bars in town with the skunk on my shoulder. Oh, Maybe man. wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, well, you that know, would we be all have dreams. Yeah.
1: Now it is young um, major birds on their
0: Yeah there's a lot of uh, that going on Yeah and uh I was the house manager at um the Maui Zendo and um I had contacts with the uh bush hippies Meet them in the uh they weren't all Zen students but some of them I meet at the health uh food store and they used to have the women used to keep ferrets inside their blouses. And so, you know, it's nice and warm and moist. And so I'd be looking for the ripest uh, papaya, and I'd look over, and um, sticking out between two (laughs) nice female uh, mammonaries would be the little curious, darting eyes of a ferret looking around the health food store, so cute. Anyway, Skunky, page (laughs) 78. I wish I could cage her who tries to enter my bed, who clearly, who cleverly reaches in and grabs my cheese, spills my silver, opens my door, pulls clothes off hangers, craps on the floor. I am learning love. Love what I can't control. Unwillingly I feed, provide an exciting place to live. She's not afraid, pokes her head out in dead daylight with sparkling eyes. I go and stick my nose and eyes a foot from her and blow in her face. She's company. But not good company. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, wow.
0: That was awesome. So you get to pick, but you don't get to pick in the low numbers. It has to be... Uh,
1: well, I thought we were going to also discuss what we've
0: talked about. Oh, let's discuss because, it. Um,
1: so I did have some questions. So um, one of the things I don't think we've talked a lot about is that you you mentioned being in the Mesa, or you, you, you did spend a lot of time with... Um, some of the a particular Indian or Native American tribe that, and you've written a lot of poems about that.
0: And I, I wanted to have spent over 70 years in the Grand Canyon. Right. Wow. And sometimes for a week and sometimes for a month. And I sweat in the sweat lodge with, a lot of grandfathers of the people I know now and who are my friends. And, um, they were a great group. They, they knew the songs and they had tales that were magical that I thought were true and probably were. And when the right man sang, it would rain. And, um, I was told that my teacher, Johnny Montoya, was not telling me the exact truth. I said, so what? He's enjoying telling me lies. That's great. (laughs) And I miss most of all this lockdown. I have spent two years where I haven't gone to the Grand Canyon. And this year, I am going to the Grand Canyon even if I don't go down to it because I can go on the Great Thumb, which is just to the south of the Havasupai Reservation, or I can go to the top of uh, National Falls and go down the falls, which I wrote a poem about uh, coming up from the bottom when I traveled through the Grand Canyon on a boat. Um, But I think they're wise, that they have locked out the canyon, people coming in or out, and they get supplies from a helicopter. And I I respect that they have shut out the rest of the world and that they have the ability to do so. Because at one time, they had a tribe of 2,400,
1: 2,000,
0: you know. Wow. And they lost one thousand eight hundred people, Indians, women, children, men, um to the so called Spanish flu. Wow. That can disrupt the culture. Yeah. When a quarter of them are hauled off on mules and stuck in, you know, canyons, you know, so with that in mind, it's, I feel fine that I can't go down there, but um, I have a life down there. And the other thing is, it's so good um, to do without smoking and drinking.
1: Mm. Oh, and and they don't do in that down? the Grand
0: down Canyon, I just they... walk around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they smoke dope and stuff, but I don't, and I have in the past, but I'm not interested And it's real easy to not be interested in those things when you have a pack on your back. Right. And sometimes when, like, the uh, canyon is closed down for a short period, um, I have taken a drink when uh, one of the subcultures shoved a, you know, gallon in my uh, face. Hey, have a drink, coyote. Because if I did not take a drink, I would be considered not part of the group. Maybe like a fink, potential... You know, yeah. Who are you working for? Yeah. So, uh, of course I will take a drink when offered, but, um, it's so nice to get away from all that and television and you can't get anything on your handheld, uh, phone or computer and you just walk. There's many fine waterfalls, many places to swim, many trails that very few people know, That uh, go to enchanting places, other canyons. Uh Oh, we better keep this quiet. Don't, don't. I don't let everybody. I could always use a companion on the trail.
1: Let me know when they open up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't have TV over there in your cabin, do you?
0: Well, I got rid of my TVs when they changed the culture. When you know they changed something about the TVs. And I have this little TV I wanted to give away. And I would only watch the TV um, when there was a war, which was happened quite often, or an <laughs> earthquake. But yeah. um, I do have a DVD player. Oh, yeah. And it, I used to have a, um, a video machine with a solar cell at my studio on the top of the hill and one battery... And it would charge, and I would watch, like, I'd, you know, nothing happening. I'd walk up to the top of the hill and watch Star Trek and Star Trek New De- Generation, maybe two or three Star Treks. And that was about the extent of it. And I also had a few other videos. Um, what was the uh, Stagecoach, a few, you know, classics. I didn't. I had a few, but you know, maybe less than a dozen. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was pleasant enough. But I do have a DVD player. Wow. And uh, for many, I tech there. For many decades, it was just a little, like, fifteen-inch screen. Now this year, I have a twenty-five-inch screen. Wow. Oh. Which is not across, but measured here. Okay, and it will be a while before the red light goes off in my car, but I will have five or six um, hours on these cold nights when I don't have a bobcat a uh, bob
1: podcast. Yes, to, uh- when
0: I'm not talking to my <laughs> friends, uh, and so since I don't have electricity, I can read, and I do read, and I ups- you know. Two uh, kerosene lanterns do it if you move your book up. You don't want to do your eyes uh, bad. But I just read, um, finished one of the best books. Now I can read books over, but um, it's pleasant enough to, uh, I got, oh, G 12, 12. Uh, DVDs at the library mm. so I could something like that anyway I am I can watch three maybe it's only 12 three no maybe only nine but I can watch three D- DVDs for the days I'm still here in the states and drop them off on my way out of town and then I'll be in uh, the Philippines where I won't wa- be watching anything wow that's crazy that's going to be a whole different world It's. It is. It's so nice to have a changing world.
1: Now, will this be the first time you've been outside the U.S. during this pandemic?
0: Yes, and I usually have spent, uh, these last five or so years, um, the winters a month to three months in the Philippines, and the summers in Germany with a little, you know, uh, with brief... Well, when, when I, one time I got this the International Award, and I had a residency in Germany, but I spent a month of it in Paris at Shakespeare and Company.
1: Mm, oh, that's a great place. I love Shakespeare and Company. It was
0: not, they, with, when the old man was there, he was very generous. I
1: know. Um, I wish I'd met him. Um, hmm? Yeah. Well, uh, By the name? way,
0: there's a um, movie, free movie,
1: mm-hmm.
0: on your computer. It's called An Old Man and His Store.
1: Right. What was his and name I mean, again? I'm he, in
0: that. Uh, I mean, I'm not as big as... Uh, the wow. owner of the store.
1: Right, I forget his name.
0: Yeah, uh, w- w- Whitman. George, his his daughter is there, and she he prefers a younger quite a group character. of poets staying in the poet's was room. was quite a character. But it was a wonderful I room.
1: met her. Yeah, I met uh, Sylvia. There's a
0: movie? The room I got to stay in. The movie is interesting.
1: Well, there's a whole, you know, the, the, I think I've told you a little bit about uh, right, the right, Shakespeare right. and Company books in Paris where the, um, no, George Whitman this wild uh, character. He's very he, open to young people. He, right. He decades. used to let poets, uh, I think they still do it, but they, they would let poets uh, and artists kind of stay at the bookstore. They'd turn the the um, shelves into beds. and Yes. And kind of uh, th-
0: everybody working there could live there and they shared and they had regular shifts. I had my own little room with great books, especially, um, well, certain all ol- people that were there. Uh, it's such a cool yeah, it place. Yeah, was good.
1: I mean, it's a magical place. I, it
0: was great for a long it's time. Maybe really, still is.
1: It's, it is the mo- one of the most magical, probably the most the magical, magical bookstore I've thing ever was, been into.
0: Um, oh. I was lurking, just walking around in the bottom, the sh- after the everybody was, was closed, and um everyone else was asleep. I just it was a nice lurking. And I looked out the window, and here was this vivacious couple. <laughs> <laughs> and just a spring in their step, and love in their hearts. Nobody could like frisk about like that on the Paris, Paris streets. the city of And they have yeah. these uh, little pedestals that keep cars from parking on the um, on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And the man, they got into a brace. Somehow the man sat down with the, and with the help of the woman, his pants were removed and she sat in his lap. And it was such a sweet, spontaneous. <laughs> they thought they were so all they
1: were alone. <laughs> the poet getting, was you're getting a good view.
0: smiling. And uh, there was nothing to <laughs> seen about it, but it was like the real spirit of, <laughs> of Paris. Parisian <laughs> youth. Uh-huh. And the gaiety of love—that's uh, <laughs> great. Well, I haven't been able to write about it, but it's certainly one of those images that.
1: Well, uh, there you are. You just talked about it on a podcast. Yeah. Next thing you know.
0: And if you want oh, to, yeah. you are that are listening. To this want to write a poem <laughs> about this event and can visualize it in your own eyes, please do. You're not stealing anything from me. <laughs> And if you want to say, you know, dedicated to Will, Will Staple, Staple saw. please. Maybe, <laughs> maybe after English I'm completely, <laughs> for, maybe after I'm completely forgotten, and you're much better well known because of this poem. <laughs> Someone would say, "Who is this Will Staple?" And what they're Will looking Staple there, saw handheld the i iPod
1: Shakespeare and Company books, and they
0: say, "Will Staple? He wrote." Uh, <laughs> He was the author of that English-German, Phyla. He wrote uh, that collection, Arrows Go Through Hearts, (laughs) selected 108 poems, 1970 to 95, and who could forget, (laughs) I Hate the Men You Sleep With. (laughs) Or Uh -uh. more recent, The One That Got Away, (laughs) those love poems with a question mark after love. Mm. Or... The thing that actually drove him to Europe after he was having such success during the uh, the, the beginning of the fascist part of the United States when the police mm-hmm. came into such ascendancy and nobody wanted to talk about it. And he did that book that's now only available in uh, Russia in their translation and and Germany. The only way to reduce crime is to make fewer acts illegal. Which is in a way a joke, but it's all too true. So So wait, you got a banned book? Yes. I got a banned book. This the only way to reduce crime is to make fewer acts illegal. And where's I'll your book? I'll try to banned? get you a German copy to you. It's called yeah. Let Freedom Ring. We got to get German and Russian copies of it. Wait a minute, Poets? this this book yeah.
1: was banned in the U.S.?
0: Yes, it was. And so because no
1: wonder you had to go overseas.
0: Exactly. I was forced like, there, and wow. also I was a cause celeb because I was banned. I was like a political refugee. That's pretty impressive.
1: That is impressive. It, well, I'm i used very it, interested in this banned book. I used book.
0: as strongly as I could because it was true. And I read like in the uh, met. What is uh, what's the underground in Paris?
1: What do you mean? Metro. Uh uh the
0: trains me- underground.
1: I think it's called the. Gosh, I should know the metro. I think.
0: Yeah, I, I read forget. poems there on the pavement. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, uh, you know Germany is all, and a lot of European countries are have been horribly bored by uh, self-righteous Americans say, you're not a real democracy. Uh, You have uh, bad elements in your government, you know, you should be great like America. And this was like a breath of fresh air to have this political refugee that had timidly attacked notice some tendencies in the police that nobody was talking about. This was like a breath of fresh air. What is this band
1: book called again?
0: The only way to reduce crime is to make fewer acts illegal. Nice. Uh, well, because you say it's nice, I think I'll make some copies.
1: Oh, good, yeah, and you I'll should. try to get
0: a copy to you.
1: Oh, great, I'd love one. Yeah, yeah, and
0: so- all I have to do is copy a copy. We should mimeograph this. exactly. I was, exactly what I was thinking, yeah, mimeograph is, think or is- uh, staple it. You know, Oh, perfect. You know, it's all it's already done. I'll just take a copy. You know, it's good.
1: Well, we should just publish it on the internet. Yeah, I mean so
0: your Patreon supporters can get one. No. is
1: it really banned? It's not banned. I mean it was okay, banned. This is what happened. But, oh
0: and this is a, the, another aspect of democracy. Uh, one couple in Fresno or Modesto Fuckin Fresno really attacked <laughs> were mishandled by the police. but oh. you know police feel uh, entitled. To disrespect, degrade, and humiliate whoever they feel like just because they were wearing that uniform and have a badge. Hmm. And if they kill people, they can often get away with it. Mm -hmm. Well, this one couple was really putting the heat on what this cop or two cops had done down in, you know. And so they were able, the cops and the police association, were able to pressure the legislature Uh, you don't want to be weak on crime kind of attitude, you know, that legislators often can be blackmailed into that. No, no, we don't want to be weak. Sounds like the nineties. Yeah, it was. Yes. Mid nineties. And I was one of the few that made these observations. It wasn't rocket science, you know? And so (laughs) uh, because it was critical, not too critical, I was sympathetic to the police situation. My brother-in-law was hired to carry a gun as a highway patrolman. But these books went out. They were bought. I gave readings. Oh, man. The hugs. I didn't, never took advantage of it. Of these women (laughs) whose husbands were incarcerated, and finally somebody was telling the truth, were Mm. just amazing. And then I got to learn about all the other uh, police misdeeds. I mean, black kids that, yeah, maybe they stole a car and got panicky, but 200 bullets in a teenager's body, that's a oh little bit God. overkill. So and, um But I got to meet these folks. See, it was an opening into another world. But all these books started coming back. I'm sorry, Will, we like the book, but right now, Apparently, temporarily, perhaps, we can't sell this book.
1: What? Well,
0: There's a law against criticizing the police. You're kidding me. It was a temporary law. It was quickly erased, you know, by... It was inactive when I went to Paris in 95. It was no longer a law in 96. But this is an aspect of democracy. Mm. Small vocal groups can finagle Mm -hmm. so temporarily they get their way. And at this time, as you were pointing out, nobody wants to be soft on crime, when in fact there was not much crime, but they hyped up crime so they could fill their prisons because a lot of people were invested in building new prisons. It's a racket. It's a racket. And then you can have more slaves than were in the southern states working for pennies an hour to make license plates. It's insane. Not just license plates. Cheese yeah. and everything. Yeah. Clothes, What you name it. So, yeah. I'm, I'm afraid I, yes, uh, got carried away. But yes, uh, did I take advantage of this status? Of course I took advantage of this status. And when the Roshi at the Zendo and I disagreed, or I, uh, he, the basic, the thing that was, he would not let me have koan review. I didn't want to be a Roshi. I just like these little riddles. And I like to have, there's this thing called koan review where the people that have passed certain koans talk about their answers and what they felt like and what it was to them. Well, he de- denied me to koan review. So, and, I was infuriated. So I went and studied with uh, somebody far wiser and more humane, Father Willigus at the house St. Benedict in Würzburg. And once again, I was a, not a political exile, but a religious exile. Oh, a persecuted man. because this guy who's, Picked a lot of fights with the Roshis that were my friends. I liked them better than the current guy over here. And um, so, sure. I didn't have that many cards, but I played them, see? And um, I wasn't the hero of the uh, working man or, you know, dangerous to the police, but I had a card because they thought they viewed any critic as an enemy. And uh, because I didn't go along with what some other jerk thought was uh, Zen, I played that card too, you know, you got to play the cards. You know, for some people, this would break them. Mm. I just took them as cards that they were dealt and I tried to use them as best I could. Yeah. Mm. Yes, my dear.
1: Oh, I was just thinking in terms of, our viewers who may not know about the history of so there there's a lot of um like there's retreat centers you're talking about kind of the zen yeah retreat here and that that culture rackets and a roshi's are kind of a yeah, what's explain what a roshi what yeah a roshi people.
0: is the old teacher
1: right it's basically and in, um in, in zen in a zen do in it like a
0: mm-hmm. or is. This is the last. I had a, a good teacher that was a teacher I'm not very of the familiar individual. With I don't want to mention his name. But his last teaching to me was he held up a, a date. said, I take one of these in the morning and it keeps me regular, which is a true teaching. <laughs> and my last <laughs> teaching, my no, last teaching to him was religion. Is politics is real estate. Ah. Oh. So that was my summation. The three R's. The three Rs. I like it. There you go. Yeah.
1: Um Well no, I I I wanted to also go back to um some of what we were talking about earlier because we um were talking about well, I rem- you know, you wanted to Dale Pendle's name came up, and he's an interesting character who lived around these parts. For yes, I I wanted to mention him just so that people knew because he's an interesting. I wish I'd met him. He died before I got a chance. to Oh, I'm to so meet. sorry. Yeah, um, but anyway, he he's uh written a number of books that are interesting, and he's uh yes published.
0: He's a and published his, poet. His, his collection is coming out. Uh, Andrew Snelling. I think edited him from okay. Naropa.
1: And you guys were pretty close friends, right?
0: Dale and I wa- were. Yeah. And when they asked him to give a reading, who who would read with him? I said, how about Will Staple? Cool. And I do have that reading. And, uh,
1: yeah, was well
0: engineered so that each you could, uh, pick each, you know, like 34 from 35, the cuts. Mm-hmm. And we each gave a reading, and I'm going to find that reading and duplicate it.
1: Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'd love and to And then that'll that. Uh,
0: make that uh, possible uh, to hear his voice.
1: Well, yeah, he was quite but, a wizard um, of a...
0: Yeah, I could go on wizard. for hours about him.
1: Poet. Interesting character. And Steve
0: Sandfield also is a, is a great local poet that we've lost.
1: Yeah. A lot of interesting local... Mm-hmm. I'm interested in the local poets. I mean, I'd love to meet Gary Snyder at some point, but I, you know... I know he's probably kind of reclusive, oh, yeah. reclusive at this point.
0: You know, usually at our local radio station, KVMR, they will keep things in their archive um, for two weeks. Mm-hmm. But Gary and I on that archive, it's still up. It's called Love Fest. And it was Gary's last reading. Oh, wow. And I fronted for him. I mean, I read first. And um, they even called me for an encore. And then Gary read, also very good. Nice. And it's still up for free on the radio. Oh, okay. okay. What is it? www.kmvr.org. We'll find the or, link. Yeah. We'll
2: find the link and we'll we'll put
0: it in the description. Yeah, it's really in the good. In
2: notes to this podcast, Yeah. yeah. Um, is there yeah, anything cool. else you want to, any last bits of wisdom you want to share with? Our well, people? I
0: just want to say that. Um, no, I don't, okay. but uh, this next time I give a reading, what makes a poet great thinking of this reading? Cause I did a great job. It's the audience.
1: <laughs> it's the audience. It's
0: the power <laughs> of the audience's attention. Nice. And Next time I have that kind of an audience and Gary was able to raise that audience for me more than once. They came for me, they came for him and enjoyed me as well. I'm going to tell the people that record it. Don't cut off the applause. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. It was too short. I could take that applause and put it on a wake up radio <laughs> So at, you know, (laughs) 6.30 in the morning, I would hear that full, sincere, completely enthusiastic applaud, and I would walk up, I would wake up, I would, when I started standing on the floor, my body would rise, you know, oh, wow, another great day in the universe, you know, (laughs) yeah. Mm Yeah. Well that sounds great. Don't don't hold the applause. Yeah. Thank you very much. I no, enjoyed thank this. thank you. Thank you very much. We really appreciate you being here.
1: Well, I didn't realize we were going to stop. I'm ready to keep going. Well, we don't
0: about. have to, but this is what I suggest. What? This let's call this podcast one. Yeah. And okay. we did we did Arrows Go Through Hearts, and I have another book oh. that has some of these, but also other poems. Cool. And we will do podcast two. Podcast two. Absolutely, because I
1: want you to yeah. tell the story about Ram Dass' uh, the ghost of. Yes, Ra- I will. Ram talk, I will tell that story. Good. The ghost oh. of Ram Dass' mm-hmm. uh, guru. I want to hear that story on well, the next podcast.
0: The next one. So, okay. yeah, Well, yeah. you could the tell it one. here. No, I mean, I, I the I ghost think that's of a great teaser. The ghost of yes, Ram that's Doss a teaser. Yes, that's a great. Yes, teaser. and I wasn't the only one who saw it. Really? Yeah. Baba. Yes. The ghost oh, of
1: Ram nice. Dass' teacher. Yes. We, I didn't know I told you that. Yes. Coming up on <laughs> the next podcast with <laughs> Will Staple. That's Tune so cool, in, man. folks. Tune in, folks, to t- to hear the amazing story of Ram Dass' uh, teacher's ghost.
0: Baba. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's amazing. All right, thank you so much. My pleasure.
1: Thank you all for listening. We love you. We are Nervous Sending. Thank you so much for listening to our show, baby. To order Will's books, including the one he read from Arrows Go Through Hearts, please check out the links we posted with this podcast. His website is willstaplethepoet.com. Take good care and please tune in next time. Oh yeah, baby.